before entering the GOAT Zoom Room. You are in the GOAT Zoom Room. This is Caitlin, of course, as always, joined by Andy. And today we are joined by a special guest, George Bryant from the Horse Racing Destination podcast. Guys, it's Preakness week. I wish all we were talking about was the Preakness and that there was nothing else of interest going on. But, you know, that's not true. So, early Preakness thoughts? What do we got? You. You sound you sound really really depressed. Like someone stole your stole Stormcat. Well, that's, that, that's what that's what this has done to a lot of people. I mean, I think George is mad. Um, <laughs> I'm mad. I I'm both. I'm depressed. I'm mad. I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. Like anything that I can feel other than happiness is what I feel right now. I'm not what even mad saying, at Bob. George. I'm not mad at Bob. It's not Bob's fault. The powers of B's fault. He's How's been given opportunity. Fault? It's he's okay. been given opp- they've been given opportunity after opportunity to stop this and they haven't. Last year's Kentucky Oaks Gamine. Last year's Arkansas Derby twice. Gamine again. What at all that they've had the opportunity to stop it. They didn't stop it. It's their fault. You can't hate Bob. It goes further back, though. I know it does. I know it does. It goes back for a long time. But they've had huge opportunities in the last year, and they didn't take it. It's their fault. It's a good old boys club. Bob's in the good old boys club. He's just taking advantage of it. It's not his fault. It's their fault. I remember when the good old boy club was Charlie Whittingham, Bobby Frankel, um, Laz Barrera, Ron McNally. Um, that's the good old boys club that actually makes sense. This one kind of doesn't, you know, it's. Well, no telling what would have been around if there's social media back then. I mean, I'm sure a lot of stuff got swept under the rug back then. Now it just doesn't well, get swept under the rug as easily. Charlie, Charlie ran a clean barn. Uh, Charlie Winningham ran a clean barn. And Dallas no, sure. always ran a clean barn. Um, Frank <laughs> always. Huh? You're going to say Frankel ran a clean barn? Um, to some extent, okay. I, I won't. I won't fully give him credit that he ran a clean barn all the time. Right, right. Um, but I mean, he had the horses too. Of course, right? so he, Bob does too. Exactly. You know, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying he's got a clean barn by any means, but it's not his fault. It's the powers that be's fault. Caitlin, you were on BBC World this week. Um, what's their take on this whole situation? Um, I do a lot of stuff for several UK publications. Um, I'm kind of their go-to person for American racing, which is kind of how BBC got my name to begin with. Um, basically, people in the United Kingdom and everywhere else think we are absolutely insane. They think we are doping horses. They think we are mistreating horses and they think there are certain people that get away with murder over here. And I'm not agreeing. I'm not disagreeing. I'm trying to stay as unbiased in the situation as possible, but I feel like most people know where I stand with all of this and I'm willing to kind of be transparent a little bit about it, but basically people from everywhere else think that it's like, why why would we even be dealing with this still at this point? Basically, same thing that George said. Why Why is this continuing to happen? Yeah. Well, didn't the Queen's horse po- test positive like a year ago? The English are so pretentious, like they don't cheat. Get out of here. Didn't, didn't she have a horse test positive? I think it was last year, maybe the year before. I'm 99% sure. Like, I don't follow English racing. I have no clue. But I just remember that. Isn't that true? They, they've, they've um, definitely had positives over there, but they don't, a lot of, a lot of more like cortic- corticosteroids and stuff like that is more, um, there's a set, there's set guidelines over there versus here. It's just like at the track's discretion or whatnot. They have more set guidelines. And I mean, there's definitely some that get popped, but you don't hear of trainers like 
John Gosden or Aiden O'Brien like getting popped with stuff like this like ever. This is this is a very American thing. Well, we also because- somebody- we also have 50 states and 50 different jurisdictions. I don't know how many. Exactly. That's, that's the whole problem. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So Sir Michael Stout was popped in 2014 for um, morphine on the Queen's estimate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So in, in, any business uh, in the world, there's cheating. Doesn't was it estimate was in the gold that he cups, got popped with? And it was, no, 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 no. The horse's name was estimate. I, that's exactly I remember it I remember estimate yep yeah. I remember I know exactly what you're talking about she mm-hmm. got disqualified right after the gold cup yeah yeah see, they disqualified her. what'd you say yeah they, they disqualified her and then to make matters worse okay so Caitlin brought up a good point before you jumped on what this was like a built-in excuse for him to be able to get a slap on the wrist and say, oops, I was chafing the horse's ass and um, I forgot it had methamethasone in it, right? They've had plenty of those excuses. I, I think what, what makes me so upset about all of it is, is okay, like if you use this cream, fine. You know, I can buy it. Why didn't? Why wasn't that just what was said from the beginning? No, because it's for dogs. Merck even came out and clarified that it's for canine use only. It should not be used for anything else. Well, I mean, if they were using it, they should just said, "Okay, yes, yeah, so we're using this cream, and it is in it." We like thought we were within the withdrawal time. We weren't sure it was going to come up as a positive. Why stand there and say, nope, we didn't use it at all. I've never used it on this horse. I never used it on any of my horses when Gamine and Charlatan tested positive for it. So like just the webs that have been spun is what really leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Not so much the positive itself, just like what has been said, like on the news, through social media. It's just like, okay, like where, where are we headed at this point? In what universe does any of this make any sense? there's only three ways that this could have happened only three ways one is baffert really the horse come up had a little something in the joint had a little inflammation whatever uh barnes tapped the knee or the ankle whatever it was bob baffert didn't know just so he can't get indicted he doesn't know they do it all the time uh beta methazone is used a lot and one out of a hundred or so it metabolizes too slow and it gets popped is that the case where they they tapped the the joint without Bob knowing it metabolized slowly? Okay, I could see it. Or is beta methazone a false positive for something else, like SGF one thousand was for Dex? Remember back then last year during the service Navarro thing that SGF one thousand was said um, if it it could do a, a false positive for Dex. So is there something like that or is Bob who is brilliant? There's no doubt about the guy's brilliant. Is he that sloppy, so sloppy that he had this cream rubbing on this horse's butt that clearly on the package says betamethasone on it and he didn't know. I mean, there's the, there's the only three things that could have happened. And I don't think he's sloppy and I don't think he's stupid. I don't. I don't buy no, it. Not at all. Well, no, and another know, reason, another reason I don't buy the cream thing is yes, it can absorb into the skin and that's mm-hmm. what it's doing to treat the rash. But okay. Mm-hmm. If you found it in urine or in the bloodstream and all it's doing is coming off as a small ingredient in a cream. No, this was from an injection. Yeah. I actually yeah, think. Because it, do you know how much, I mean, an injection is a lot easier to go through, right? Because you're having multiple, 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 multiple people that are that are touching this stuff and putting it on the source. But the problem is, is that if it's on a, if it's, if let's just say he got tapped on the leg or the ankle, right? Mm-hmm. It, you know, they take the fluid out of whatever the ankle is. They put that stuff in. It should it should, you know, metabolize pretty quickly. It didn't. Okay, so he gets popped. That one I can see plausible. 
but how much cream do you have to put on a horse's ass to come up with two times the illegal limit? See, that's what I'm saying. And here's the best part about it. And this is something I found out about Automax. Three milligrams of gentamicium sulfate is in Automax, which is used for intramuscular administration. That's what gets me right there. Right? It's like, okay, so he had a yeast infection and intramuscular issues too. He goes, that's what that's supposed to say is that if you're get, putting this on it, it could be used for that too. So what is it exactly is the bigger question. Honestly, Bob could maybe get out of this unscathed if he literally just says, you know what, we're going to see what happens. Talk to my lawyer. Why didn't he do that on Sunday and said he went around doing a dog and pony show? He's literally walking around thinking that we're the biggest morons ever because he's been coddled by the media for so long. Not just the media, but also the tracks. Oh, sure, Bob. It was contamination. Yeah, a groom peed in the stall, Bob. Yeah. And, that, and then he goes out there, and now we all have a weary eye, and he just spits complete garbage. The whole time, everyone's like, what? What are you talking about, Bob? And then he's supposed to be on what CNBC last night, and his whole PR team, whoever it is, is like, no, you've you're trying to ruin this already. There's no way you're going on CNBC tonight. There's no way you've ruined this, and now it's I mean, in control. I mean, the biggest, the, biggest, the biggest problem with this whole situation is he said it was feed. He said a uh, groom peed in the feed, if anybody <laughs> wants to get caught on that. And everyone called him out on that because most racetrackers know, yes, a lot of people do pee in the stalls. I mean, that is not, that's not my taboo. I've done it. But I so also don't have I. a bit of methazone in my, in my urine. And I had alcohol. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, feed, feed bags are usually in the front because if you put them in the back and the horse ends up getting caught in it, he can blow a tendon. Or he could cut himself with the feed, with the with the feed bag. So it's always in the front. So that what you're telling me is that nobody saw the groom pee on that on that feed bag. So that's one. Cancel culture. It... Cancel culture is the one that's the worst one out of all of them. Like nobody <laughs> cares. Nobody cares enough about Bob Baffert to cancel him. What pisses me off about the whole thing is trying to blame it on the grooms. Grooms are the most loyal, experienced horsemen on the backside. I mean, do people pee in stalls? Sure. But you can only blame things on grooms and assistants so much before it's like, okay. So many times. Yeah, so many times. The finger's been pointed at everyone. It needs to turn around and point back at yourself, Bob. Please, well, I love God, point to yourself. Take I even wrote today. I wrote today, you know, Doug O'Neill, the poster boy of getting pop for overages and whatever else ends up coming out when he got busted in March and saying, Hey, it's on me. I should have known. I'll take the hit. Why can't Bob just do that? Why can't Bob just say, Hey, you know what? It was me. I did it. I tried to win a race. Yeah. I know it's the Derby. Yeah. I know I'm probably going to get in trouble. I know I'm going to get suspended, but Hey, you know what? It happened. And you know, leave it at that. Why well, can't and, take the responsibility. And even if it was so much of, hey, we thought we were within the draw withdrawal time, you know, we thought it was going to be out of there, you know, why can't you just say, hey, you know, we messed up. I'm sorry. But instead we've got on this whole charade. And I just like, I don't know, it just it, learning from experience after that interview I did the other night we're the laughing stock of the world when it comes to horse racing. I mean, this is just so ridiculous. That you want that that Lance Armstrong whoa whoa it's me tour. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what it reminded me of. It is. So let's get on to some happier things. Because Yay. I, want, I mean I wanted to I wanted to bring you on because of your horse racing destination and what what do you say D Gen's Gonna degen? Is that is yeah, that your yeah, yeah degen? The degen, yep. 
And I love it. You're from, you're from Texas. Um, I just recently moved to Texas three years ago. Howdy. Yeah. Howdy. <laughs> and um, I want to know what got you into horse racing. I was born in the horse racing. My dad was a jockey. He was a jockey when I was born. He was a quarter horse jockey, though. We were living all over the place. Uh, Raton, New Mexico, La Mesa Park, Rio Dosa Downs. I would live there my whole life. Every four months, we'd get up and move, you know, quarter horse after quarter horse. Um, then in probably 1992, puts me at 12 because I'm 40 now. 12, he settled down, quit riding, became a, a trainer at Trinity Meadows. is like a class two track in, in, uh, <laughs> outside of Weatherford, Texas. Yeah, that's where I grew up. I know where that Cody, is. If anybody knows who Cody Autry was, it is, uh, he was a trainer for a while. Now he runs M&M Racing Stables, Mike Sisk. Uh, he was like my childhood best friend. Me and him were going around handicapping and betting all the time. I had a tip sheet. I grew up slinging tip sheets. You know, as, as actually as how my mom, my parents met was through horse racing. My dad was a jockey. My mom's dad was a bookie. You know, he tells my dad, hey, you're going to give me all your hot tips because I need to know who's winning. And my dad's like, nah, no, I'm not. He thought he was a stud. My my mom's dad was a was a gangster, small time gangster criminal. Uh, said, yeah, you are or else. And then like, oh, yeah, here by the by the way, here's my do- here's my daughter. So he kind of pimped my mom out to my dad and then you know nine months later you get me out slinging tip sheets so i've been in it my whole life owned racehorses my whole life got a couple now always had some um who's your trainer now my, uh i got a couple i got one with i got a couple with austin gustafson yeah and okay. then the magic maddie a bear i got one with magic i've always been maddie part of, a bear yeah matt matt a bear man he's he's a stud I've always had horses with my dad. We've always done it, but uh, I, don't know. We, I don't know. We're both Bryants. We're both kind of assholes. We don't see eye to eye all the time, so I don't know. I still have a couple with him every once in a while. But did y'all, it's, it's y'all's fault. Y'all didn't give me a list of words I can and can't say, so I, I said asshole. It's my fault. Y'all That's okay. I said ass, and I'm sure Caitlin's okay. cussed here a couple times during our show. We don't. We just there's put no disclaimer saying. Yeah, mm-hmm. we we've we just put a disclaimer on it saying, hey, there's a couple of bad words in this <laughs> in this deal. So that's what I do. Um, I mean, I think it's funny. I think most race trackers, uh, Caitlin kind of got into the game because she loves the horses and she's damn good at it. Um, I got into the game because my best friend, because my dad took me to the track when I was eight, and my best friend was lived next door to Jimmy Barnes. The Jimmy Barnes. He's the one that got me into the game. (laughs) He's the one that got me into the business working for Charlie. um, Yeah, I know. That's why why I have so many things I could say, and I'm not going to. Uh, (laughs) But you know know the whole saying. It's like, if you're on the racetrack and you know information, you're not really supposed to say a lot of stuff. You're supposed to keep it close to the vest, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right, so there there are a lot of stories that we pro- that will probably be written on my deathbed because nobody can come after me after that. But um, <laughs> I just think it's I just think it's kind of one of those things that where if you grow up on it, you miss school. Did you miss school? Yeah, yeah, I'm fairly graduated. I'm a half moron when it comes to <laughs> no, anything you- but horse racing. See, you're lucky. Your dad was a jockey. Your mom was a daughter to a gangster. My mom was a teacher. So if I didn't go to school, I'd get in trouble. And she was a math teacher. I remember there being times where uh, my mom, she'd be working, and my dad was supposed to take me to work on a, like, or supposed to take me to school on a Friday. He'd be like, hey, I got to ride a match race out in the bushes out here in the middle of East Texas. You got to come with me. I got to leave now. Okay, so I'd skip school on a Friday, go to the bush track. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, hey, yeah. Caitlin, do you know about these bush races? Um, I've definitely heard plenty of stories. Obviously, I've never spent a ton of time in Texas or New Mexico or really been to any of the bush tracks, but I've been to some dumpy little tracks in Ohio and Indiana and Kentucky. 
No, but I'm so, talking about match racing. Yeah, they're like no. straight, straight up illegal gangster match racing. Straight up, straight up. Yeah, I got Where a thousand it, bucks. My horse can beat yours. Yeah, they go on match race, and then three days later, the horse is in a regular race to run. Yeah, and if you're a jockey and you don't win the race, don't come back with the horse because you're probably going to get beat up. <laughs> Just keep going. Yeah. Just go. Yeah, I've definitely remember, heard plenty of stories. I remember J.D. Mitchner came to me one day and said, hey, uh, there's a match race out in Riverside. I need a ride. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll give you a ride. He goes, but if I lose, don't bother pick it, Don't bother sticking around. Just leave. And I'm <laughs> like, okay. And he loses, and I just left. And he calls me the next day. He goes, why the hell did you leave? And I said, you told me to leave. You lost. <laughs> he goes, I didn't. I thought I was going to get my ass kicked. I didn't. The guy was like, hey, the horse was short. No big deal. I just lost a thousand bucks. But there's like 20, 30 match races going on, like back to back to back to back to back. And it's crazy. It's it's one of those things where you have to at least see it once, but you really don't want to see it once. Yeah. I I went to one as, as close to probably two years ago. They're still really prevalent in Texas. I mean, they're mainly they're mainly quarter horses and they're mainly Hispanics. But like, if you if you ever in tech, if you ever on DFW, I'm sure I can take you one or two. <laughs> so I've got a I got a question for you because you were around you've been around here your whole life. Mm-hmm. How big of an impact was the whole um, cartel training deal, doping, and all that for the quarter horses? I'm sure it had to be one of the biggest deals. I mean, they were winning big races and being ruled. One would one trainer would get ruled off by having just a ridiculous bad test of something, and then the next the next day the horse is in his brother's name, and then the next day next race it's in his brother's name, and then they're they win the all. I don't think was it all American? I can't remember where the car. Somebody won a, a big race, and then they're posed on the backside, both holding the. The, the All-American Trophy, I think is what it was. And they're both rolled off old trainers. I'm like, yeah, they, they ran it for a while. They were buying horses left and right. And that's how they were laundering their money. They would they would own a horse, and then they would sell it to one of their buddies for an inflated price, say like a million dollars, when the horse is worth like 40000 And this is how they would launder their money for the longest. I never got too involved into it. I just kind of saw about it from the fringe because I'm a thoroughbred guy now. I've been a thoroughbred guy since the mid-90s. But, I mean, of course, I found it kind of fascinating. I'm sure it's going to make a great movie one day. I would watch it. I would, too. I mean, that, you knew about that, too, Caitlin, right? Oh, yeah. That's wild. Well, and I will... Go ahead, Caitlin. I was going to say, um, you know, as much as we complain about thoroughbred racing eating cleaned up which it does boy doc all read the people at Los weren't afraid to tell those people to gtfo after a while i give him credit for that the what people the, the cartel and- oh yeah, yeah. And, and then also another like even more so crooked than uh thoroughbred racing is harness racing that shit's wild and rigged too like that's where most of the thoroughbred guys get their drugs from those guys are always out in front People from yeah, guys always... so you know for those people that aren't familiar with your podcast because they listen to different types of podcasts what are they what are they bound to find out about what goes on on horse racing destination <clears throat> so our podcast we're not really a news podcast like of course we're going to touch on the Baffert thing but like mainly it's me and a, a buddy who's a money guy is what he does. He like he's a dork and he um watches this stock and this stock and makes a lot of money and he loves horse racing. And we literally just talk about whatever we really want to. We'll spitfire. I don't I don't hold anything back. Like I don't. I'm not for sale. I'm not gonna sell out. I'm a wild man. I say some wild shit. Um and then we always, at the end of it, we'll always sit down, whatever races are going that weekend, the best racing going on or local races. I'll break down. I'll tell you what I like. I'll give you my angles. Like you were saying earlier, like we you, in horse racing, you kind of keep everything close to the vest. Like I'll tell stories. Like I tell a story. This is a true story. About eight years ago, 
me and a couple guys in the industry where I'm a big gambler. Like I'll go every day I go, I'm going to take fucking three, four, 5,000. I'm going to take a bunch and I'm going to sling. I don't care. Uh, we found a way to, you know what Bovada is? Yeah. Okay. It's the casino. Yeah. Back then it was Bodog. It was Bodog. And there's a yeah. couple other ones, like five dimes. And this is stupid things that I tell in my podcast. We, um, I found, I found a way to manipulate odds, manipulate pools so much to where I can make so much money betting offshore that I basically, basically I messed up when I could have gotten rich. So what I would do was quarter horse pools in Louisiana have zero handle. A daily double might give you 120 bucks in the pool. So what we would do is we all had our Bodog counts back then and we would go put $500 of, if you know how paramutual racing works, it's really easy to explain. We put $500 inside the pools on the wrong horses, on all the wrong horses. And then the right horses on the Bodog account, say it was uh, the one and the one, a daily double, one, one. There were two to five and three to five. We would hammer that online. And then through the pair mutual pools, we'd put the $500 on all the other horses. So that would inflate the odds of the two to five over the three to five and make a daily double pay $45 for a dollar. Instead of like five bucks. Instead of $3, you know what I'm saying? And I would have a $200 daily double on five different accounts and I'd pop them for the max. I think it was 7,000 at the time. So in, in the, uh, in the um, I don't know, probably at the course of a month, maybe six weeks, I had seven or eight accounts north with a $500, $500 investment into each of these accounts. They all had their own IP addresses. <clears throat> they were all on their own iPads. Within the course of six weeks, they were all over to 100000 My personal account was like at a million, something stupid. It was ridiculous. I was playing poker, 10, 20, no limit with all these monster guys. And I, I don't have money. Like I'm, I have a little bit, but everything I have is always all in. My chips are always on the table, you know? <clears throat> so at the time, that's a lot of money. And I'm playing with these multimillionaires and trying to donk off money, make it look like I'm a maniac. But they ended up scooping all the money before we could take it all out because you can only take out 3000 a week. But that was a wild story. Like I tell stuff like that. I do some stupid stuff. And I'll tell it. Caitlin, uh, have you heard my story with Los Alamitos and manipulating the pools there? No. I'm interested. So um, this was back in 91, 92. And back then, before, if... Before Caitlin was born. A, uh, <laughs> before Caitlin, Caitlin was, born. was born. Yeah, before Caitlin was born. Um if you were if if you knew you had a horse that was live, Ed was so good at making the 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 morning line odds that if you had a live horse and he knew you wrote that race for him because at the time I was a jockey agent, uh-huh. he would turn around and he would make sure that if that race was written for your horse, he would make your horse like two to one, eight to five, even money, and the rest of the horses were like. 10 to 1, 5 to 1. So what I would do is I would go and take $100 and put it on all the other horses. And all of a sudden, when the first click opens, the horse the horse that I want to bet is like 3 to 1. So people are seeing that everybody else is looking at the other horses going, well, why, is, why, is, why are those horses taking money? Okay, we're going to bet those horses instead. And all of a sudden, you see your horse that you want at 3 to 1 at the end of the night end up being 3 to 1. And then you pull your money out of all of the other horses. You just cancel the tickets and then put it all on the win. And nine out of 10 times, I would say I would get at least the odds that I wanted. Um, and then a buddy of mine found out about it and was like, oh, I'm going to do that too. And he screwed it all up because he started telling people how to do it. So, but I got away with it a few times. Made some <laughs> good money funny. off of it though. Your buddy got greedy. Yeah, he did. Your buddy got sick. I did too. Yeah, he did. So, so you're you're doing this thing during the summer called the sweat. And yep. if you're in Houston, if you're in Houston, Texas, or DFW, or right now in DFW, you're probably mm-hmm. wet, not sweat. Yeah, um, it rained all day. 
Yeah, and that rain's coming down here. Uh, what is the sweat? I know it's 100. I, for those people that don't know what it is, what exactly is the sweat? So the sweat, a, a sweat is when you bet a race or whatever and you actually sweat it. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's the adrenaline rush that us degenerates get. So I named it that because I love that feeling. Like I, I can, I can go back. Like if I don't watch a race or if I don't, if I don't bet on a race, I'll watch it. I love watching it, but it doesn't give me that adrenaline feeling that it does if I got $200 e-box, you know, exact a box or a couple hundred to win on a horse. That's that feeling. I love it. So I called it the sweat. So what it is, is I started on opening day at Lone Star Park and I took an initial investment of $10,000. $10,000 is what I'm working with. And by the time Labor Day comes around, September 6th, which is the closing day at Saratoga, whatever that is, 20-something weeks, I want to see if I can make $100,000 profit. So one summer, just completely degented out, document it. Every day I, I kind of post what I, how I did. This last weekend I got destroyed. I had a terrible weekend. Terrible. I think it's because my brain hurt from the, der the derby. <clears throat> Um, but the first week I was up like 14,000 and I posted a bunch of my tickets. I posted every day at, at the end of the day, what it was last week, every day I lost like a thousand or two. It was rough. Um, and I, and I'm going to take a trip. I'm going to Baltimore on Thursday. I'll be there all weekend. So I'm going to the Preakness. Um, I'll make a trip out to Las Vegas and bet some, some horses or, or not some horses, some, some baseball or I really mixed martial arts. Like I like mixed martial arts. I love to watch the fights. Might bet a couple fights. I want to incorporate some sports handicapping and, and betting into it as well. And then I want to finish the summer in Saratoga. I want to make a trip to Saratoga. So that's kind of the plan. And and the reason I came up with the idea is because we all bet, like all of us do, especially on horse racing Twitter. It's what we do. And we'll post our tickets and it's fun, but no one's really done this, like tried to have a goal. And like I'm a guy, when I go to the races, if I make a bet and like I miss it or whatever, I'm like, damn. And then I look up, oh, fairgrounds, three minutes to post. Let me look. And the next thing you know, I'm down a thousand because I, I, I'm degenerating it out. <laughs> so, so I want to kind of come up with a plan every day. Okay, this is my key horse of the day. This is my day maker, my day breaker. Bet that horse, maximize all my profits off of this one horse, and bet it hard. All my strong opinions, bet hard. And see if I can come up with a hundred thousand. This week I lost focus. I mean, I was degenerated up. If anybody was with me this weekend, which a lot of my guys are, Ryan, uh, the, I call him the Man Dime because he's a good-looking guy, the money guy. Uh, Aaron is kind <laughs> of showy. All, all the guys that are around me this weekend. It was we were hanging out. I don't really drink at all, but they they were drinking, and we got back into degen mode. So I lost focus. But this week. When I go to Pimlico, I know it's going to be harder to get in the lines because at Lone Star, I, I stay in the jockey club and there's no lines for me. Like I'm right there by the teller. But here, hopefully some of those lines and stuff will deter me from being a complete degenerate. And I'll go in there and bet my strong opinions and I'll get out. You know, and hopefully I can make some money this weekend. Yeah. Um, I went to Sam Houston for Derby Day. And I, love I went – I went um, – probably an hour, hour and a half before the second race or third race. And I sat in a line that took me probably about 40 minutes to go through because every single person was, every single person was asking what they should bet on or were making multiple bets with the teller. <laughs> Do you not use the machines? Were the machines like that too? Um, there were a lot of people on the machines, but I didn't have vouchers. They have, a couple that, they have a couple you can just feed those hundos in there. Oh, I know that, but yeah. the problem is sometimes the hundos come back. That's true. Sure. Those machines are kind of a little bit out of date. San yeah. Houston, update your machines. Yeah, they do. They need to, right? Agreed. Uh, have, you, mean, have you ever been to Rotama Park in San Antonio? Yes. Their machines, boy. Good Lord. Taking a step back so, in 1987. So here, here's a funny thing. So uh, my wife grew up in Austin, Texas, and every Easter she went to Maynard Downs. Yeah, I grew up there, yeah. Right. So 
she always talks about the fact that when her brother brother was dating her, his wife, they would do that for Easter. And they're from San Antonio. And the two parents of the girl are like an attorney and a court magistrate. So they're, mm-hmm. they're showing up at the racetrack and they, they have no interest in it. And they're like, this family's degenerate, right? <laughs> My wife has no interest in horse racing, but she, that's what they did because that's what her father wanted. Uh, I've been to Trinity Meadows once, and that was like in the '90s. That was my spot. Uh, I still have some of my tickets. And I've been to Grand Prairie. Is it Grand Prairie? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They have Prairie Meadow, Grand Prairie, right? Yeah, Lonesome Park. Yeah. Yeah. So there, uh, the only track I have not been to in Texas is the one um, in Fredericksburg, the fair. Gillespie County Fairgrounds. I go there every year. There's, uh, the reason I go there every year, um, for one, it's Fredericksburg is beautiful. If you've never been to Fredericksburg, anyone out there, you have to go. It's a small German town, and they have great German places to eat. And then they have this main street that has all this great shopping. It's beautiful. Um, they only race like four weekends a year, two to every, Saturday and Sunday, like every other weekend throughout the summer. But um, there's one bet in horse racing that I've never hit. And it's the twin trifecta. They don't do it in any other track, or I would have already hit one. Like they, they do it in dog racing. Dog racing still does it, but like no tracks offer a twin trifecta. What what the twin trifecta is is if you hit a trifecta and say race six, then two races later you get a straight ticket for the 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 second part of the trifecta, and you have to hit it straight. I've never hit it, so every year I go down to to Gillespie County Fairgrounds with the friends or fam or whatever. And I, and I go after their twin trifecta just to try to bet it. I, I don't know. It's just my thing. Once I hit it, I'll probably still go down there every year, but it's awesome. Yeah. I'm, I've never hit a twin trifecta. I hit, I remember being in Vegas when they used to have the double Cornellas. Um, <laughs> Circus Circus had it. Excalibur had it. Now they don't have it anymore. Uh, uh, Cornellas but- are dead and gone as they should be. Never made any sense to me. I was like, is, this is just yeah. an exact box. I don't know what's different. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I know. It, it never makes sense. Well, you know what? I think they got that idea from uh, this. What, is, what do they call it? The swingers, Caitlin? In, the, the what? What do they call the, the bet in, in uh, Dubai and in Hong Kong where you bet and you can bet first and third, first and second? What is that? Swingers? Is that what it's called? I can't remember. I've always wanted that to go to Hong Kong. Right. Too. I think the Hong, Hong Kong, Kong bets are Kong. really kooky. Yeah, that'd be a dream place. If it's first and third, you know how many times I would have hit that when I bet an exacta and something comes in there and clunks up and splits my exacta. Like Dallas Stewart owes me so much money for doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I see you, have Dallas. Have you told him that? No, but I have will. You told him that? No, he seems like the type of guy that would think that's funny. He seems he like is. my type he, of people. He's really laid back. He's yeah, you know, coming from the Pletcher barn like he did. Yeah, um, you think he'd, he more think he'd be a little uptight. He'd be a little stodgy, but he's not. Yeah. But then yeah. that's the same thing with Wayne, Dwayne Lucas. If you yeah. got on Dwayne's good side, he, he was <clears throat> funnier than crap. But if, like, like I'm at the age where Wayne, yeah, Wayne was an asshole. But like I'm, I'm the age where Wayne is the goat. Wayne's my goat. The '90s, good lord, Wayne owned the '90s. That guy revolutionized racing back then. Did you? Um, have weekend. you? Ever... No, no. He's terrible you... now. I still love him. <laughs> Did you ever, by chance, go into one of his shed rows? They're pristine. The He's a person. Yeah, my dad rode quarter horses for him, so I, I was there quite oh, okay. often. Back then, he, he would have plants everywhere, perfect. They'd have flowers, and it, shed row would be raked at all. He didn't walk down a shed row. Don't walk down a shed row. You know, and he was, yeah, he's pristine yeah. always. I can imagine what the green, guy's house, perfect. Green grass uh, on the side. I mean, just, I don't know if Caitlin's ever seen that, but, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, I have not been lucky enough to be back in his shed row. I've been to a few of them, a um, few different trainers here and there, but not Wayne's. Yeah, he's an OG. 
All right, so Caitlin likes to do this thing at the end of the interviews where she gets to ask you questions. They're usually the toughest questions on the night. So um, good luck with them. Oh, great. Okay, I know you said you've owned horses before, and obviously you've been mm-hmm. around the industry plenty of times. So mm-hmm. if you could win a race at any track in the world, where would you want to win a race? Let's see. <laughs> this is going to sound so stupid. Man, my favorite race growing up was the King Cotton. King Cotton. Was Oakland. Yeah, six furlongs at Oakland. That was always my favorite race. And and then before that was the Jim Beam, which I know is not the Jim Beam anymore, but I used to love that race too. Yeah, it's the Jeff Ruby. No, it isn't. Yes, it uh, is. Yeah, yeah, it's the Jeff Ruby Stakes. I used to love that thing, man. The Jim Beam. We're gonna I wanna win the Jim Beam and the and the and the King Cotton. How stupid <laughs> is that? But that's what it is. I know you know CJ Johnson. Um yeah, he says that. um he says, what he, said, he, says he wants to win Saratoga. Wants to win a race at Saratoga. Oh, yeah, yeah. He can do that. I mean, he's got big money. His dad is the biggest OG in the game. His dad is a straight gangster. Like, I, I'm on the board of directors, the Texas Thoroughbred Board of Directors with him, and I only talk when it comes about gambling. When it's about anything else, I sit back, relax, and let Corey Johnson go. Corey Johnson's a man amongst boys when it comes to anything smart. I don't know. I don't know how CJ came out so dumb, but Corey is Corey is brilliant. <laughs> so, okay. real quick before before that, Caitlin, I gotta I gotta CJ. Um, we were uh, we were tweeting back and forth, and we mm. were discussing ADWs and casino money in yeah. Texas. He got some dumb hot takes. And his, he says his dad is trying to get ADWs within the next three years. I don't know how, how true that is or not, but if it's even close to that, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if anyone can do it, it's that guy. It's the guy who built a racetrack in the middle of the field and sold it for millions of dollars and had the highest purse structure in the world. It's that guy. That guy can do it if anyone can do it. But Texas is so conservative, I just don't see it. I, I not and it's like a fake conservatism here. It's like you can't go online and gamble for your, your fun, but we have the highest per capita strip clubs in America. Like we're fake conservatives. It makes no sense. Go to the, go to the strip club where there's drugs and womenizing a galore, but you can't sit in your, in your living room and bet an exacta at Oakland. It makes no sense. Hey, in Houston, there's no zoning. So literally you can have a school – Next yeah. to a strip club, like- next to a smoke <laughs> shop. Yeah, super <laughs> wild. All right, go ahead, Caitlin. Sorry, we digress. <laughs> All right, what about what jockey would you use, alive or dead? Who would you want to ride your horse? <clears throat> hmm. Man, man, my guy growing up all the time. It's probably Jerry Bailey, man. That was my guy. Yeah, I'd say Jerry Bailey. That was my guy. I don't know okay. why. I fucked him. What about I guess, trainer? Uh, trainer Dwayne Lucas. He's the goat. He's the goat. Nice. I like it. So we we appreciate you coming on and taking your time on a Thursday with mm-hmm. all the technical difficulties previously. I hope mm-hmm. we didn't bore you. No, it was fun, man. I, I'll talk racing with anyone out there, and you guys are cool. I talk racing with you guys anytime. Man, well, hey, we got we got cool. We got the cool thing going now. Nobody's <laughs> ever called us cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no one's ever y'all called are, us cool. Y'all are cool. I mean, I know Caitlin's hip and cool, and 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 Andy, you're OG cool. So yeah, yeah you're the, guy, <laughs> no, you're the think... guy. We'll see you in the in the OTB cussing because you know you missed your your fourth leg of your pick four. That's my type of people, hey, you know. I, have you ever been to uh, the what is it, the Winners Lounge or whatever it's called over at Sam Houston, where yeah. you have to pay to get in? Have you uh, ever run into the? Have you ever run into the? I've got the six. I got the six. No wait, here comes the eight. I got the eight. No. Here comes the eight. Have you, no. have you run into that guy? I'll no, I won't. The last time I was there was Dubai World Cup 
when Animal Kingdom won. I was in that room. Oh, okay. I was dating a girl that uh that worked at Houston. But the last time I've been in that room, normally I'm always up in their uh, whatever it calls a little jockey club or silks or whatever it is. I don't know what they call it up there. Oh, That's the why dinner normally, place. Yeah, yeah, dinner place. You know, but the last time I went there was Animal Kingdom's Dubai World Cup. Yep. Yeah, there's a guy over there that every time a race goes off, he's hollering at like seven different horses. He can every, have he every single horse, and then all of a sudden he goes, "How come I didn't have that?" And it's like I thought you yeah. did. You were just yelling at every single horse. Yeah, every racetrack has one of those guys that's kind of like that. That just is wild. Like there's a guy here. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I just call him the snapper. He snaps so loud it sounds like someone's clapping. Like, uh, but uh, uh. My God, how's that guy clap? How's he snap that hard? His fingers gotta hurt. You've got to snap probably thirty times a race. I don't get it. Well, I think one day we're gonna have you and CJ on at the same time. Let's do it. Yeah. CJ's kind of boring though. Have you ever talked? Have you talked to CJ besides text? He's kind of boring. He's kind of monotone, and he doesn't have a good beard. He's not that really cool. But I can bring somebody on that's really way cooler than CJ. I'm oh, kidding. you can always do it. You can always bring whoever you want on. <laughs> like my guy, my guy for my podcast name is Ryan. He's pretty cool. No, CJ's a good guy. I'm just giving him a hard time, busting his balls. He oh, let me be up, up in his in his uh, suite. He, him and his dad have a suite at the Lone Star. So I, I did the DJ Nation podcast this Saturday from his suite. Oh, guy. did you? Mm-hmm. How was that DJ Nation podcast? It was bad. It was really, really bad. I didn't like it. Um, I, I tried to take over a little bit because I mean it was cool. It was it was called Cooking and Cappins with Sack Shoes. She's great. I love her. And her cooking is fantastic. But like the rest of it, we were just kind of it was like well, you you put on the fake hey hello guys, welcome to like you know the, the sportscaster voice. And I'm not like that. I'm just kind of shoot from the hip and I'll say some stupid stuff. I I, I talk before I think. And that's kind of what I wanted to do, but it was a lot more structured. Like I don't like structure that much. I'm more that's of a chaos. We don't, we don't yeah. do structure. We don't yeah, do structure like, at all. We, we had an itinerary. We had an itinerary. But I loved it. Like yeah. I would do it every day of the week. But I'd rather be chaos. Just turn the red light on and let's go. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's what I, really so, do. I mean, I think I think some of the best interviews are that or some of the best podcasts are that way. Um, mm-hmm. I had a guy Tell me in a DM that the the best part of the show was Caitlin and I'm the weakest link. And I said, <laughs> nice. and I said, I sent him a text. I basically responded and I said, no shit. Why do you think I have her on the podcast? It's <laughs> like, of course I have Caitlin on because yeah. she's better than me. I'm not yeah. stupid. Oh Caitlin, Caitlin gives some some degenerates a little bit of credibility because she's a little bit more buttoned up, it seems like, and she doesn't have any typos where you see me, I'm in every other word in this spelled. I barely graduated high school, but I'm fun. I'm a good time, but that's about it. Classy DJ. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, you're a classy DJ. Like, do you gamble, Caitlin? I don't even, do you gamble? Oh, yeah. <laughs> does she? Nice. Okay. Yeah, What's your favorite does. track? favorite track to gamble on? Is it some European, don't tell me some European bullshit. Like, oh, it's, it's whatever. I mean, I couldn't even tell you a European racetrack over there. Doville. Ninety oh, percent of my Doville. handle goes to European racing, Hong oh. Kong, Japanese, or, Austri- or Australia. Okay. Australia, it's terrible. Um, I would bet Australian races. I did a couple times, and it takes you like twenty minutes to get your money back. I'm like, dude, I'm trying to bet right. this next race at Los Al. Give me my damn money. You I'd know? say states wise, it's probably Keeneland or Gulfstream. Oh uh, yeah, the big the big boys. So, how do you bet on Hong Kong? I'm curious. Now. Um, their pools are definitely different. Um, yeah. I mean, how, like, how do you do it through an ADW or what? Yeah. Well, she what can. State, yeah. What state does she live in? Ohio. Ohio. She's an Ohio bred. Oh, Ohio bred. <laughs> Got you. That thistle down blood running through you. I've been in thistle yep. down. It's a shithole. I went there in 1999. I ran a horse named Valhaw in the Ohio Derby for Dallas <laughs> Keene. I was working for Dallas Keene back then. And the funny thing about that horse, Valhall, he's the one that tested or didn't test. He's the one that got disqualified from the Arkansas Derby. If anybody remembers that. Yeah, I was. I recognize the name. How was that horse's groom? That's funny. Hot Walker. Dallas, Dallas used to have a hot walker in the 90s, mid 90s, named Molly. And she was a stone cold fox. 
He was like prop good. Dude, back then, back then Dallas was the man. Dallas, he, yeah. he still wears this, this, the black cowboy hat, and I think it's yeah. stupid. And the black black shirt because it's like 120 <laughs> degrees outside. He'll wear a black jacket sometimes. But back then, when I was like 18, I was like, damn, this Dallas King got it going on. He always had dime pieces around him. Everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> he always yeah. did. He had dimey dimes. Yeah. Even his daughters were dimes back then. I remember driving this this Mustang. It was the best. I had a great time there until I got fired or quit. I can't remember. It's been a long time. <laughs> Something yeah, happened. He, um... yeah. Something happened. He's still my buddy. He, he was a pilot, too. Oh, that's another thing. That guy's a pilot. Dallas King's a pilot. And he flew me. We went from uh, we went from Dallas to Houston to pick up the, an owner, Jim Jackson. The guy's name was Jim Jackson. And then from Houston to Paducah, Kentucky, and in a Cessna, like a four seater Cessna. And I've never what been so sick in my life. What are you guys doing life. in Paducah? Uh, no racetrack yeah. there. No, no, no. There, there wasn't, but it was like in between, like I don't know, like I can't remember, like River Downs, and I don't remember where it was, but. We were at a training center. I think it was Don Von, one of the Von Hemmels. I can't remember. We were at a training center in Paducah, Kentucky. And I remember we, we, we landed, and he was hungry, so we went to an Outback Steakhouse, and I got a Bloomin' Onion, and I, blew, I, I, threw the bloomin', or I threw up the Bloomin' Onion everywhere. I got really sick. It was a bad day. I was like 18. I weighed like 104 pounds, 150 pounds. I was trying to be a jockey. Like, can you imagine? I'm 220 pounds. I'm six foot 220. I was trying to be a jockey back then. It was the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> That's a great way to end end this podcast. Uh, thanks for coming on, George. No really problem. Appreciate it. Uh, we want to get you back on again because there's a lot more we can talk about as far as just yeah. stories in general. Yeah, for sure. I don't racing. Yeah, I love that shit. I talk about it all day, every day. All right. Thanks a lot.